This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. All the attacks we've seen in 2020 are all targeted for Windows operating systems. It's not that Windows is more vulnerable. It's just that 93% of the world uses a Windows operating system. So that's what the adversary is going after, the low-hanging fruit. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today... We're talking about how to stay safe online. We see cyber attacks in the news. Our workplaces get hit with phishing scams. And how many emails have we gotten recently about our data being breached? It feels like a daily occurrence. To help us prepare and fend off this online onslaught, I've invited Dr. Eric Cole on the show today. With more than 30 years of network security experience, Eric is a distinguished cybersecurity expert and keynote speaker who helps organizations curtail the risk of cyber threats. He's worked with a variety of clients ranging from Fortune 500 companies to top international banks all the way to the CIA. He's been a featured speaker at many security events, and he's also been interviewed by several chief media outlets like CNN, CBS News, Fox News, and even 60 Minutes. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, Eric. Well, this is something that I think I need to be spending more time thinking about, and I know a lot of other people out there can learn from it as well. Is it just me, Eric, or does it feel like hacking and these online threats are on the rise lately? There's a huge increase, and the main reason is this. Attackers are looking for any situation in which people are emotional and illogical. And I think if there's two words we can use to describe 2020, it's probably emotional and illogical. And the thing that they're doing is they're really trying to take advantage financially of the COVID-19. So for example, we see on a regular basis hundreds of these that if you receive an email, that has a subject line, kids that were in your child's class tested positive for COVID. And there's a subject line that says, we found some kids that tested positive. Click here to find out if you're an association. You know that you could have sat through 30 minutes of awareness with me and you're still clicking on that link because family comes first. And that's what they're really after now. They're seeing a huge opportunity to really target individuals and take small amounts of money from a large number of people and it adds up very, very quickly. Wow, yeah. I guess I put these people in just such an evil category. I don't really think about what their motivation is, but I guess it's money. Is that right? Yes, yeah. And no, oh no, these people appear evil. They will they will take advantage of any situation. Like another one of the scams, which I mean, you want to talk about pure evil, is they'll get a hold of the hospital records of anybody that was admitted for COVID. And they'll then send you a follow-up email saying, listen, we know you're probably out of work and we know you have hard financial times. So we actually created a nonprofit to help individuals with this. If you just fill out this short form, we'll see if you're eligible. And the whole purpose is to get your bank account and personal information so they can go in and steal whatever money you have left. I mean, talk about fast track to hell, right? I mean, these people are just pure evil, but it unfortunately works. And what we have to remember is most people think of cybersecurity like they think of accidents, illnesses, or others. Those are things that happen to other people. 
I'm not going to get into an accident. I'm not going to get sick. But the number one thing people need to remember is you are a target. If you have an identity, if your kids have a phone, if you do anything online, you are going to be a target. And the interesting thing is the people that let their guard down, that don't think they're a target, they don't put protections in place, they're the easiest ones to go after the low-hanging fruit. And that's exactly who the adversary targets. Wow. So hearing this is just kind of blowing my mind. What, what are some common practices that we could do to help ourselves stay safe online? The first one is just to, to understand that these attackers are going to go after your finances. So anytime anyone's asking for anything with money, accounts, information, or details like that, be very careful. Especially one of the things my dad always taught me growing up, if a deal is too good to be true, it probably is. So if you go in and I think we're getting another rush, I went to the supermarket the other day and there's no toilet paper again, I guess. I guess all of a sudden COVID increases the use of toilet paper. I'm not sure. But you go online, like with any news channel, and you see an ad pop up that says, in stock, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, whatever those objects are, and you're like, oh, wow, we could finally get it. And it's from a trusted media. Therefore, it must be legit. And what people don't realize is those ads, there's no validation. When you go to any news site, even Amazon or social media or anything else, those ads that pop up are anybody. If you pay, you get on, there's no checks, there's no validation. And the number one thing with any of those scams, never, ever, ever use your debit card online. If you're going to make purchases and you're not sure, credit cards are safe. Because if you get scammed with your credit card, You'll know about it with before the 30 days come up. The credit card company is liable and you're not out the money. But if you use your debit card, the same laws don't apply. Your money comes out of your account instantly. And then you're the one out the account and the banks actually are not liable because you gave that number out. So debit cards, I know with money and investments, it's good to use debit so you see where your balances are. But when it comes to online cybersecurity, get rid of those debit cards. They are very very dangerous. The other big piece of advice is all the attacks we've seen in 2020 are all targeted for Windows operating systems. It's not that Windows is more vulnerable. It's just that 93% of the world uses a Windows operating system. So that's what the adversary is going after, the low-hanging fruit. So here's the problem. If you have a Windows operating system that has your work information, your finances, your tax records, anything like that, and you click on a link or open an attachment and it compromises, infects, or ransomware, you're now in trouble and you're out that information. So the big thing that I do with my mom, my parents, everyone else is get a separate device. Get a non-Windows device, get an iPhone, most of us have it, an iPad or an Android, and just build the discipline. The two most dangerous applications on the planet email and web browsing, use a non-Windows device. So when I get up and I check my email or I'm researching at night, I'm always using my iPad. Two reasons. One, the probability of there being malware that infects an iPad is really small. And even if it did, there's no data on it. So we need to get into this mindset of separate devices. Have one Windows device for work and personal and finance and have a separate device for your iPad or email or web surfing. And this way you're just separating and reducing that risk. So that's just more of a call for us to not do things at work that aren't work like online shopping and social media. Is that right? Absolutely. And, and, And for some, it's a little too late, but if you're in this situation, get a second computer, which is this, 
With homeschooling or remote learning, what did most parents do? Oh, you can use my computer. I tell you, the thing that's even as dangerous as cyber criminals and foreign adversaries are 15-year-old girls. I mean, they will click on open, I mean, with their tiki-takis and all that crazy Instagram stuff. I mean, it's nuts. I have three kids. And I mean, I don't let them touch my computer. I don't let them go near it. And it's funny because they'll be like, dad, I need to do something quick. Can I borrow your phone? I'm like, absolutely not. I said, this is for work. This is for work. You're not touching it because you're dangerous. So you got to be real careful of having separate computers. Computers are cheap enough that you can go in and have one for work, one for home, one for your kids. I mean, we really need to get that separation in place because if you have everything on a single device, one click, one mistake is all it takes and game over. Wow. Yeah. Those are some really good pieces of advice. One thing that I always heard when I was at the office or just in general is to mind our passwords. So what are some good practices for passwords? And and, and that's the key thing. In most cases, the entry point is going to be those 7, 10, 15, 20 characters. And I know you hear over the years, make them long and complex and don't write them down. And and once again, I mean, that's good but bad advice because it's not practical. So so to me, it's it's got to be practical advice. So what most people don't realize is almost every online application you're using, whether it's social media, e-commerce, online banking, they all have enhanced security features built in but you have to turn them on by default. So the first feature I would recommend, it's called two-factor authentication. It's actually sometimes shows up as 2FA. I crack up one of the banks I deal with. It's supposed to be this really user-friendly bank. And one of the options is 2FA. I'm like, nobody's going to know what that means. So so they're using technical terms for non-technical people. So 2FA is two-factor authentication. And it's actually easier for you because now when you go and log in, you enter in a simple pin or password. It doesn't have to be complex. And then you get text, a one-time password. And if you're using an iPad, iPhone, or Android, it actually can be integrated. When, When the text comes in, it automatically populates. So you don't even have to cut and paste or do anything like that. So that's the first thing that's very important to do. The next thing which it's a little bit of an inconvenience, but you're going to have to pay the piper. So you either get a little inconvenience now or your account stolen, turn on account notification. And what that means is when somebody logs in from a non-registered address. So when you log into your bank, most people, especially now they're not traveling, log in from home. So the first time you log in, you'd register that address location as being valid. Now, if anybody tries to log in, especially from out of the state or out of the country, you would actually get a notification that you have to approve. So I just had this the other day. Somebody from Venezuela is trying to log in to your bank account. Is this authorized? And if you don't reply within five minutes, the the access will be denied. Perfect. I happen to be away from my phone, so it was denied. But if I was there, yes, that's very powerful because now... If somebody is trying to get in, you're controlling the destiny. It's yes, you're going to get text periodically when it's unauthorized, but that also gives you visibility. Like I had a friend of mine going, Eric, I don't like using it for my social media because I get 15 or 20 of these alerts a day. I'm like, let me ask you a question. If you didn't have those alerts, did you know that somebody was trying to break into your account 20 times a day? He goes, I'd have no idea. I'm like, so it raised your awareness. He's like, 
oh, that's a really good point, right? It raises the awareness level. So it helps you understand that you really are a target and somebody's coming after you. So two-factor authentication and making sure that you're going in and turning on that account notification, that's going to go a long way to protect those accounts. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, you, you talk about practicality. I'm thinking about my passwords. I feel like I have a thousand passwords. Is there just good practices for remembering them as well as just keeping them organized? What do you think? And, and, and just back to that, if for some reason you're still using passwords, there are password vaulting programs that you can install on your phone or your iPad. Actually, I have to give Apple a lot of credit on their new version of the iPhone. It actually has a password vault automatically, and I use it. So now when I go in to log into a new site, it will actually say, do you want us to randomly generate a password? It does, and then it remembers it in a secure vault. And it's stored encrypted on my phone that uses my biometric data. Now, I had a friend go, but Eric, if somebody gets a hold of your phone, steals your biometric data, and steals your PIN, they would have all your passwords. And I'm like, if we're at that point, I have bigger problems, right? If, if somebody steals this and they're forcing me to authenticate against my will, I'm probably kidnapped or other issues, and I don't really care about my passwords at that point. So it's one of those where it's not a perfect solution, but it's definitely much better than what we have. Okay, so there's probably some banks or credit card companies that are doing it better than some other ones. So do you have any that you'd suggest or, or that are doing it really well? Today, most of them are pretty equal. Most of them have the security built in. The question is, are you turning on the notifications and putting the controls in place? So for example, we talked about two-factor authentication. We also talked about the account notification. Other thing that's very important, especially with banks, is EFT verification. That I know it's a little bit of an inconvenience. I run my own business. We probably do anywhere from eight to 10 electronic fund transfers, EFTs a week. But I actually do it where they have to call me on the phone, verify and validate that it's correct. It can't be done electronically because these attackers are so clever. They know where you live. They know your mother's maiden name, right? All those challenge questions, they know all that and they can bypass it. So you just have to recognize you're gonna have to give up a little convenience with any fund transfers and somebody has to get on the phone. I work on so many cases where people are being scammed all the time. The other huge one that we see a ton is when you're buying a new house. These attackers know that because you have to register. And what they'll actually do is spoof 24 hours before your closing an email from the closing company saying, hey, listen, the buyer just changed the bank account that you need to transfer the money to. And you need to use this new bank account because it came from the email address. They'll even send an email back saying, is this correct? And it gets all verified. And I've worked on, in the last three months, over $30 million worth of cases. So it's been 40 cases ranging from 800 to a million dollars of deposits that people have lost because they fall victim to that. And I'm like, if you would have just picked up the phone or verified, or what I always say now is if I'm buying properties or anything else, I'm like, I'm going to bring a certified check. I'm old school. Right? That's how we did it in the 80s. You, you didn't go in and do funds transfer. And I'm like, but Eric, what if they don't do it? Then I don't want to do business with them. So sometimes old school is better, but be super careful whenever you're transferring funds or money because it's just so easy to be scammed. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about all these people out there doing these horrible things. And I know you're out there preaching this good word and trying to help everybody stay vigilant and protected. But who's out there? I mean, like from our national government that's stopping this. So, so they are. But here's the problem. We as a physical world have physical countries and physical boundaries and physical laws. However, on the internet and cyberspace, we're one world. There's no boundaries. There's no issues. So I can tell you right now, I work with FBI Secret Service, and they have a list of the names of the people in these foreign countries that are doing this. They know who they are. They know where they live. They have an address. But because we don't have extradition treaties with those countries, and it's not illegal in some of those countries, there's nothing we can do about it. So yes, in eight or 10 years, when we have international cybercrime laws and we have the international police like we see in Hollywood movies, th- things will get better in eight to 10 years. But right now, the, the law enforcement, they're so frustrating because there's not a lot they can do. Now, they try a lot of creative things. The number one airport in the world that arrests most cyber criminals is actually Las Vegas because what they'll do is they'll scam the scammers and say, hey, you want a trip to Vegas? Come here and and they'll fall for it. It's funny how these folks fall and and they'll think they're going to Vegas and they're going to have a great weekend and law enforcement is wait for them at the airport and we arrest them. So, I mean, we're doing everything we can to try to help here. But unfortunately, a lot of these countries get kickbacks and benefits from these cyber crimes. So they're not really incentivized to try to stop it or minimize it. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month 
each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. Wow. Yeah. I feel, I feel like we're going down the rabbit hole together and just kind of learning this, this dark world here. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about social media. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that we've got the notifications on. So people aren't utilizing our stuff from a different country like Venezuela or whatever. Is there anything else we could be doing with regard to social media to stay protected? It's just be very careful of who you follow and who is on there, especially if you have kids. I'm a big fan of this. My kids, for the longest time, I said, you're not having Insta or Facebook or any of those things. But then what I realized is they're going to do it anyway. That Their friends are going to do it for them. They're going to do it. So you got to sometimes let them happen. But my rule with my kids is you have to let me follow you. I have to see all your posts, watch all your posts and see everything that's out there. And it's funny because I was giving a presentation at a PTA and a mom came up and said, Eric, I have a 17-year-old daughter. I don't want to see what she's posting. I said, it's scary. My husband doesn't want to see what she's posting. And I said, so let me get this straight. You and your husband don't want to see what she's posting, but you're cool with all the child predators out there seeing what she's posting and targeting her. And I didn't mean to, but she broke down crying. Because she, she, she never realized that. I'm like, listen, if you're on social media, the information is public. If your kids are doing things that are inappropriate or that you don't want to see, you need to have that conversation with them because there's a lot of evil people out there on social media targeting your children. They, they did a study that 27% of supposed 16 to 19-year-old girls online are actually 50-year-old sickos. They're actually cyber predators. So almost a quarter of who you think is out there is not really who you think they are. So you got to be real careful. The other thing that people don't realize is both kids and adults, colleges are now using cyber background checks to determine who to go into college. And this number shocked me. 31% of students that either got accepted to their college of choice or was going to get accepted after they reviewed their social media profile they decided they don't want that type of person at the college and they rescinded or kicked them out of the college. And the number for adults is scary. Adults, it's 44% of people don't get the job they want because of something stupid they posted online and social media. So be careful of what you post. I mean, I'm sure you see this where you know these really nice people and they say and do some of the stoop. And I'm like, my, my friend John does it. I'm like, dude, what do you think? And he's like, Eric, it's just online. Nobody sees it. I'm like, if you wouldn't say it to their face, don't put it online because what you don't realize, that's a permanent record. The, the number one thing to remember is once you hit send, save or post, 
that information will exist forever. You can never, ever get rid of it because the way the backup and the replications work. So just be real careful of who you're following in the security settings and just be smart about what you're posting. Don't put something stupid up there because it will come back to bite you. Yeah, and it's a good lesson for all of us to remember what we put out there on social media is forever. So yeah, good for adults and kids. Another question I had was around online games. You know, we heard a lot in the news lately about games like Roblox, where kids are spending time on there and people are chatting with them that aren't actually, you know, the 10-year-old girls that they're pretending to be. What can we do to protect our kids when they are doing online games and there is chat function, things like that? That's a hard one because if you tell your kids, okay, you can play the games, but you can't interact with anybody, they're still going to do it. So, so to me, what you have to do with that one is just really educate your kids and scare them a little bit. So I'll sit down with my, my son's the big one into gaming. My, my daughters are into the TikTok and all that other stuff. So I'll sit down with my son and be like, listen, I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to scare you. Let me go over some stories with you. Somebody was online and somebody did this or did this and this happened and that and give them real world examples. And he says, dad, what do I do? I'm like, if you have your three or four friends, create a private group and only allow them into that. You're going to get requests from outsiders and cool people. And I said, you just have to be disciplined enough. I said, it's just like the real world. You know, if you're working down the street, and some stranger comes up and tries to give you candy or says, get in my car, you would never do that. So why would you do that online? We need to use the same common sense practices that we have in those areas. And then other thing with the phone, with all the apps and stuff, be very careful of free. Most of the free apps out there, the way it works is this. You can either pay for the app or it's free. Free is not free. Free means they are letting your data, that you're giving them access to your data in exchange for the service. The next time you do a free app, pay attention the first time you start it up. I guarantee you, it will ask you, can we turn on your microphone? Can we turn on your camera? Can we access your pictures? Why in the world is a free app doing that? And I'll give you an example. One of the best flashlight apps, it's super cool. It has like all these advanced features. It's a flashlight app. It's been downloaded. 7 million times. Ready for this? It's made in China. And when you turn it on and install it for the first time, the only way the flashlight app works is if you turn on your microphone, camera, and access to your data. Why in the world does a flashlight app need to access your microphone and your camera and your data? But here's the scary thing. Over 7 million people didn't care. They don't even check. So we got to be a little smarter. If you go into the app, by the way, it shows you it's made in China. It has a very low trust level. And it says that it has to turn on your mic. If you do a little research, right, the data is there. But we just got to get a little smarter in cyberspace and realize there's a lot of really not nice people out there. Yeah, it's a really eye-opening conversation, Eric. Thank you. You know, there's somebody listening right now and they are feeling a little overwhelmed. All the things that they need to be doing to protect themselves. And they're thinking, you know, what's the worst that could happen, really? What would you say to them? Okay, so the worst that could happen is you could have all your money lost, your identity stolen, your lose your house, and, and basically have your life destroyed. And, and that's not an over-exaggeration. Uh, on a quick side note, if any of the listeners know anybody 
that's elderly, that's over 65, you need to pass this information on to them because the number one demographic that's targeted by cyber criminals is people over 65. They have a lot of money. They're not tech savvy. And I tell you, I know at least personally hundreds of people that lost everything. They, were t- they have to now live with their kids because they lost their houses, multiple houses, cars, retirement, everything because they fell victim to some of these scams that are out there. Now, the, the only other way I, I flip it is it's all about managing risk. When you get in an automobile, it's risky. It, it's not guaranteed. You can get in an accident. Unfortunately, some people leave the house in the morning and they get into accidents on the way to work. They didn't plan it, but it does happen. So there's never a perfect solution. However, we've trained ourselves to stop at stop signs, look both ways before, put our blinkers on. There's just good hygiene we do to minimize that risk to an acceptable level. And that's really what you have to do in cyberspace is build that good hygiene. Don't click on links that you're not aware of. Don't open attachments. Use that separate computer that we talked about. Set up two-factor authentication. There's things you can do to make it an acceptable risk. But the worst thing you can do is ignorance. Thinking that you're not a target and cybersecurity is not your responsibility and just go out being naive. Unfortunately, those are the people that are going to get hurt the most. And when I work with a lot of these high-profile cases, what they always go is, Eric, I wish... I listened to you before it happened. I didn't think I was going to be a target. I didn't think anyone was going to come after me. And boy, was I wrong. So if we can get any message across to the listeners, it's recognize you and your family are absolutely going to be a target and you need to take this seriously. Yeah, evidently the head in the sand methodology is not going to work. There is no magical internet police out there to save us. We need to be vigilant. Thank you very much, Eric, for reminding us of this and making sure that we are all staying safe. Where's the best place for people to connect with you and learn more about what's going on in your world? For for this topic of family safety and personal safety, online danger is the best website. I actually just put out some free resources for parents, teachers, and students with all the work from home, because that's a whole nother conversation we didn't have time for of really being dangerous there with cameras being turned on. So I have a bunch of free resources there. I'm giving away my book for free. If you're interested in cybersecurity for work or commercial, then it's secure-anchor.com would be my other website. Excellent. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. was honestly one of the most eye-opening interviews I've done in quite some time. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Dr. Eric Cole. Number one, Mac versus PC. I hate to say it, my friends, but it sounds like the pricier device can save you in the long run. According to Eric, the majority of these cyber crimes, they're happening to PCs. I guess if you got one for work, it sounds like we should just use it for work and not other things like online shopping or social media actually probably would make our employers a little happier too. (laughs) Number two, credit cards over debit cards. Oh man, this is another blow to the debit card. If you guys haven't listened to the show before, we often debate about the merits of credit cards over debit cards or debit cards over credit cards. And to hear Eric say that credit cards are the safer alternative between the two, It was surprising, but you know what? Honestly, it made sense. 
Now, from a financial standpoint, though, I'm going to say I'll agree with him. As long as we control our spending and we pay off our balance at the end of the month or at any very moment where you can say, hey, I've got enough money in my checking account to pay off my credit card, that's when I think you should, you know, can and have the responsibility to have a credit card. You've got the money in the bank. You can pay it off whenever. So cybersecurity with credit cards, check. And then financial security with credit cards, check, double check. (laughs) Number three, two-factor authentication. If you get the option to use 2FA, it's a fancy little term, he told me. I didn't even know that's what it was. Two-factor authentication with your banks or your credit card provider or just really any financial partner that you have, even if one of your bills has the opportunity to do 2FA. Now I'm all fancy saying 2FA, two-factor authentication. Eric is telling us that is the way to go, my friends. It's a simple step that could save you thousands of dollars and months and months of worry if you are a victim of one of these cyber crimes. So when in doubt, go with two-factor authentication. As a quick reminder, the show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for putting together our show today and Alec Collins for putting together our YouTube videos. If you guys want to check out YouTube, that's youtube.com slash marriage, kids, and money. Before we go for the day, I would like to ask you one quick favor. Join me and 950 other families in the Thriving Families Facebook community. This is a free community of like-minded people who are just doing their best to help each other thrive. So one thing we do in that group, which is kind of fun, is we share our family wins. And a longtime member, Larry, just shared that he got his emergency fund back to fully funded status again. And man, that is great news, Larry, especially given what's going on with the pandemic and just the general financial crisis this year. A lot of people are in a hard way. So to have a fully funded emergency fund, that's got to help you sleep good at night. So way to go, Larry. Can we get a round of applause for our friend Larry here? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) If you want to get inspired by others in our group and share your wins, please join us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Martin Luther King Jr. But today, our very survival depends on our ability to stay awake to adjust to new ideas, to remain vigilant, and to face the challenge of change. Let's not let all our hard work go to waste, my friends. Carpe diem! 